Twenty years have passed since a tragic fire at an illegal rave killed over a hundred people outside Austin, Texas. But is that all that happened on the night in question? Experience the horror of Vampire the Masquerade like never before. Jackalope LARP and White Wolf present a blockbuster LARP horror event. The Night in Question, November 17th, 2018, Austin, Texas. Jackalope-LARP.com for tickets and information. Where will you be on the Night in Question? This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome once again to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And today we're going to be doing a review of the V20 Companion. And uh, this is a, a fantastic little book that um, I really, um, well, before we get into it, I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And I probably already said that. Pardon me. You did. Again, our schedules have changed a little. So my brain is uh, is is waking up brain. It's not fully awake brain. So it's it's getting there brain. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. We're trying to get into our groove. We're like Stella. We're trying to get our groove back. Um <laughs> But anyways, um, we're we're firmly entrenched in in V twenty, and um, we have this V twenty companion. And um, what what is this book actually, Bob? Like, like, how would we even describe this book? I actually enjoy the intro that uh, Justin Achille writes in here, uh, regarding the V twenty companion. And this book is not your typical, you know, extras to the main V twenty book. It's not what this is. Uh, this is a book where they literally pilfered the internet. Listening to all the fans, the, the functional pages, and all the comments and great ideas that were there. And they sat down and said, well, what can we do that meets the timeline that we have to get this product out in? And, you know, they were told, listen, whatever you do, it's got to be something that makes this book unique. It cannot be like the, even though it's called V20 Companion, they did not want it to be a companion of the actual V20 book. They wanted it to be a standalone book that was worth its own weight. Right. And, and it was something that the fans wanted. And that's exactly what they delivered on. I'm looking through this book. And um, so first and foremost, like the artwork on the front cover is like incredibly striking, right? It's it's really like it's a very simple piece, but it's there's there's two women on the cover and one of them is covered in blood and seeing seeming to um, be really deeply enjoying it. And then the other one looks like a nightmare. Um, like the nightmare version of what a human is. Like the first thing that I, I, I think of when I, when I see that picture is like, um, uh, the, like the, the Japanese, uh, like Ringu and, and the grudge, like that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> like that's someone who like visually is very striking, but I don't want to meet in an alley. <laughs> like I just legitimately don't want to run into. When I saw this, I thought that was somebody who was uh, once human. Mm-hmm. Under vampiric gaff painted, yeah, that's a one because it's not necessarily she's bit; mm-hmm. she's just slathering blood down her neck. And I was like, they look similar. Eh, who knows? Pictures worth a thousand words, right? Right. And uh, I think it's I think it's awesome. Plus, it's a weird blood tunnel they're in. Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing. I was like, huh, what, what's going on there? But anyways, it, it's definitely an evocative image, and um, you know. The the book that we reviewed before this was Dust to Dust, and the cover artwork on Dust to Dust was, I don't know, not quite what I would call, like, image. Like, it wasn't really striking. It was just kind of like... Mm. But it was Dust to Dust, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, right. That's, how, that's where it belongs. Right. And, uh, this one here, I like throughout the book, the artwork is pulled... Uh, from some of it's new, yeah. some of it's pulled directly from previous supplements, right? Where they were just quality pictures. It's like good, it's good choices. I feel throughout it. Yeah, and and this uh, this book, it, it appears, you know, as a, as someone who at the time, like, I don't think either of us were really following the whole like Kickstarter phase of of this game, um, which which is kind of continuing on to today. But what you were saying, kind of piggybacking off of that in this introduction, is it's essentially 
it's it's a book that's made not necessarily as like fan service, but it's a book made distinctly through the communication with the fans almost in real time. And it has to be. I mean, for its uh, for its sake, I think this is the point where everybody realized, you know, with the V20 and the Kickstarter, people are willing to put money where their mouth is. You know, this is the content they want. This is what they're asking for. This is what they're in demand to do. Right. And when you get all that, you got to give what's what's asked. You know, you got to deliver quality. And I honestly feel that that's that is a bridge between the fans and the writers, uh, the creators of it. And they and they answered it. I mean, V20 is filled with a lot of it. The, and, and in fact. I will go on record saying I think V20 is honestly the best, the best of the best when it gets in between fan and writer. You know what I mean? Right. Where I really feel they did listen to the community, but also pumped the brakes a little bit in some of the wilder ideas to kind of yeah. bring it forward. I, I, good job. I agree with you. I mean, um, V20, I feel like, is is a, a culmination of like all of the things of, that were good about Revised, but they made great efforts to sort of cull a lot of the the extras that didn't need to be there things that kind of like slowed the game down but also i feel like this is a different situation these are people that um obviously have a strong devotion to continuing the title and are very passionate about communicating with the fans like us who are passionate about it as well but anyways let's talk about like some of the stuff that's actually in here so first and foremost we go into chapter one and they talk about titles. And um, what can we say here that, uh, like, most people are like, I know all the titles. What, you know, what, what's, what's the big deal? I made that same mistake in saying, I already know. Um, however, when you go through and read this book, oh, I should explain that. When I first got this book, I got it because it said The Companion. Mm-hmm. I figured it was the player's guide right. for V20 cleverly worded. And when I opened it, I was like, oh, man, this is pretty cool. But I think you remember me saying, it's just a bunch of shit I already know. Right. Right? And then I started reading through it and then i felt this land of like oh shit this is stuff i can implement now into my game mm-hmm. tabletop that would work except we've been running it for over a year right and to change it now would call you know, oh my god why would i do it but there's such good content stuff like observing titles and when you think about observing titles me and you nate no problem understand what a title's for and why and where it comes from right and what that title is and the purpose for it. Even how to navigate, walk around it, and step between the lines, right? However, that's a skill set brought over from 20 plus years, yeah. right? Major so levels of experience. This book is the crutch for anybody trying to get caught up over two decades of missing it. Right. You know, that read between the lines. Because we came through an era where nobody stopped. Why should there be a title of prince or a sheriff or archbishop or bishop? And why do they do that? Why do vampires care? This section goes over all of that. It's, it's the purpose of observing a title. Why, why, if someone has one, you should pause and think about that for a moment. Why there is nobody carrying a false title also is in here as well. And to open it up a little bit, if you encounter someone, if I were to tell you, yes, my name's Robert Batten, I'm the Prince of Schomburg. <laughs> okay? And you're like, holy shit. Well, that, how the f- you would at least ask, who the fuck do you get off calling yourself Prince of Schomburg? Right. And then you're, you're asking me to show you why. Right, and that's that's the danger, right? But if I was saying it falsely, you already heard. I'm subject to all the ridicule you can give me. You're gonna rip me apart. There's some Princess Schauberg, you idiot. Stop being an ass. Right, and that's and that's what they point out here. Except with kindred, vastly more dangerous. If I dare to step on an ages old system of title and prestige and prestation, and I decide that I'm gonna falsely give myself a title, they're gonna do more than ridicule me. And it's because you're literally becoming a punching board for all the title holding members there, those that serve them, um, those who uh, consider their enemy. Right. Because they all are battling for what? <laughs> Titles, privileges and prestation. Right. The, and that's, a, that's all sex. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that they really um, they really hammer home in this book is that the system of prestation is not just like it's not just an in-game mechanic for you to keep track of status The the system of prestation even among anarchs or, uh, you know, the, the black hand, the true hand, um, these are all, they, they respect and regard the system of status because if it, if it doesn't work, it all breaks down. If you can't have at least the modicum of, of like respecting title and respecting favor, then none of it works. They respect it because it works. And, 
that the one thing that really kind of like was hammered home for me in this book and you know like bob i was like eh, it's fucking titles i already know this <laughs> um and in a lot of ways that's true i did know this however if someone were to come to me and go you know, uh, I'm in a game and, and uh, my storyteller just made me sheriff of the city. I'm not really sure what I should look at. You know, like what uh, should I pop open the, the cam guide or, you know, should I just read the V20 book or, you know, maybe I need the LARP book. I would say, hold up, let me get you the V20 companion and you're going to read through these quick two chapters because and it, that's not even like a, a hypothetical. That was literally a conversation I had here in my own home less than a week ago. It was weird how it worked out because um, we in our LARP game, there's a situation where someone's trying to vie for a position. And I was like, read this V20 companion because this is going to give you better information and a clearer understanding of, of not only the, the positions themselves, but the purpose of prestation, the purpose of boons, the purpose of, of positions. But what we're talking about here in this chapter specifically up to this point, we're talking about the different positions and um, you know, Bob and I, like we've got all this experience. Like we, we know what a prince is. We know what a harpy is. We know what a keeper of Elysium is, but then there's little things that they've added little, little concepts like the hound, right? If, if we're playing revised edition, Bob, um, and I've never played like a Requiem type game. I've never played any other game, but this one, what the fuck is a hound? A hound's basically an updated version of the of the deputy. They literally got rid of the deputy title, and they just call it the hound. And that's that's what a sheriff has. What a sheriff appoints to help uh, extend his power mm-hmm. uh, to see his will get done. And that's exactly what a deputy used to be. Why did you get rid of deputy? For the same reason why I used to be a joke. I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. <laughs> it, I'm dead serious. Right. It downplays the role. It right. makes fun of the role. But if you call it a hound. Yeah. What what the hell do you think it could be? It's I mean, something that's going to hunt you down. Right, right. That's that's the, that's, that's the other thing too. Like it definitely holds it's a much more weightier concept. Um but there's a there's a bunch of other things in here too. You'll find that are a little bit different. Things like chancellor or imperator. Like these are all the herald. Right. These are concepts that like to me when I read them, I Sometimes as a player of this game or any game, when you read something, you're like, whatever, you make that that like you just smelled a lemon face, you just tasted a lemon face. You're like, whatever, this is stupid. I, I didn't get that when I'm reading this. I'm reading these positions and I'm in some in some ways I'm like, oh, they're a little um, they're a little redundant. But also, let's look at the society that they come from. Redundancy is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, redundancy is what gets things done at night. Um, but and, and in the case of like what I think you're nudging at, like the chancellor, right? Mm-hmm. That's the purpose person who actually writes down and keeps track of who owes who and boons, right? And often that's rolled into the harpy. Why they separated it and gave him in, in this book is not only to extend more room for more title. It was done because that's a that's an important role to do into and of itself, right? Freeing the harpy to be what they're supposed to be, and then as someone who's going around making sure the social cues are met, answered, and, and respected, right? And you focus on that, and that's the standing. And what's important about the titles that they highlight in here is, one, a title can be granted. Usually, if this is done, it's punishment, right? If you find yourself being a 30-night-old 30, 30 neonate suddenly given the title of Seneschal, you're expected to fail, and it's not about you. Right. It's about who made you. Suddenly, people are going to know that. And either you prove your sire awesome by doing an amazing job, or you're terribly going to fail. And that leaves room to bring more humiliation on the sire who made you. And that's, that's just how the society goes. The other aspect of it is that you earned it over many, many years of, of trying and fighting for it and vying and favor trading to eventually get that title. And once you either to either method you go about, once you obtain it, it's, it's super important. It shows you where you lay in it. But they also add negative titles. Now, why that's important is because negative titles was something a lot of people go, if there's a good title, and all these awesome titles, why wouldn't I? This guy's being a tool. And I'm the harpy, and I can't say that. I can't give him the title, this guy's a tool. Everything he says is going to make him a fool. <laughs> That's, so why can't I do that? And, I'm, and I've always been like, feel free to do it. Right. And this book tells you how to make up a title, not just negative titles, any title. Right. And the titles, they give you a template for the sect, but then there should be titles that reflect the 
aristocracy of the area you're in. Right. And I think that's a key element to remember is that we're presented with the titles that we know traditionally and some new titles that may have been adapted from somewhere else because all of these concepts came from somewhere. <clears throat> but uh, we're also, I think, firmly it's explained. I'm sorry. I got a little, <clears throat> a little thing. <clears throat> mm, delicious. Um, okay. Where was I? Um, but we're, we're also given the distinct impression in this book that all of these titles exist, but they should be tailored to your city, right? As as we go through these books and we understand more about, um, I, and, and up, up to this point, I think we've done all of the city books, right? So the one thing that I feel that is consistent is that every prince does it a little bit of different, a little bit differently. Every domain does it a little bit differently. Do you need to have a chancellor in your domain in your game? Not necessarily. Would you like to have one? Well, here's uh, here's some information about it and how you can go forward. So. Yeah, you can use these. You can use the outcast from from you know the negative title, um, but you don't have to. You, you could make up your own. You could be like he is a he is a dishonest. He's an oath breaker, right? Like you could you could make up that title. You you could you could make up any that you want. You can call them knights because you're you're in London and that's what you think that uh, should accompany the elders everywhere, not the hounds, right? You know, it's the, your guardians of Elysium, your 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 Sir Suss and such of the knightly order of the venture who says you can't right. be here. Well, one and thing one thing that I found confusing, Bob, um, when I first looked at this before I actually read through it, and maybe you can help to shed some light on it, is that all of these titles have like a point value associated with them. Is that like does that mean that like I can buy that title with a background? Um, yeah, actually, it does mean that at the start, right, or even later on, depending on how your storyteller runs his game. Um, if you decide that you're going to have uh, a title from this sect, uh, it's XP. It's direct XP is the cost for it, mm-hmm. and and you can start with it. You know, two points. You can be the sheriff if you're, you know, storyteller says, yeah, fantastic, player sheriff in this game. I add it to the chronicle, or I'm already in the game and I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of the sheriff so I could take his position. And once it's done, he's like, yeah, great, you did it. Two XP, right? You know, and that cements yield boy in and call it a day. And the purpose of that. Honestly, it's it's more than that if we want to get into it. Yeah. Uh, they have an optional title point system as well, in addition to cost. So let's say I decide that I'm going to be Ducks Ballorum, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, do something easy that people know. What, the prince is like, what, a four-point title, something like that? Um, I believe that is a five-point title. Five-point title. So the prince of the five-point title, yeah. it's something that this, the harpy would pay attention to. And that five-point title of Prince where he's at basically gives me leeway, status-wise, to make mistakes or lord over someone. It's the, it's the equivalent of saying my standing, right? And I have five points worth of standing in the Camarilla in my domain, or a Prince would, whereas the Harpy only has two points. But what I could do then is Harpy, once I see that point system allotted to titles, I now make status super important because I can mess with that system. Because nobody can ever have below zero. Right. But I could I could look at the keeper and say, this is a piss poor showing tonight in front of everybody and just ridicule him as the heartbeat. So, yeah, next time, let's not have a hot dog stand for an Elysium, okay, loser? <laughs> right. And then leave. <laughs> but then that strips him of that point. No one's going to respect them as keeper of Elysium for a, a month in that domain because he hit zero and was ridiculed hard by the heartbeat. And that's how it goes. A month later, keeper of Elysium has a chance to earn the point back. It's not restored automatically necessarily, but if nothing bad happens, the harpy doesn't keep harping on him, it will restore in itself, provided you keep your nose clean. Right. <clears throat> but, but that's sorry. That's one point. To go at someone like the prince, I have two points. I'm the harpy. I can't. Now, as a storyteller, you know, I think that we've always chosen to, um, and they kind of mentioned it in this book, we've always chosen to make uh, the attainment of titles story oriented right if you obtain a title it's done through the natural course of the game but that's not necessarily how you have to do it you could have people just go hey i'm making a game use all your resources and whatever you make that's the story i'm going to run awesome you can do that uh another um added bonus of yeah whatever it's no wrong answers but another one of the added bonuses of this uh the, the the points that are associated with them is that um the ability to add that to your dice pool, 
Um, and what I mean by that is they have a system in here. It's a very simple system. Essentially, you blow willpower, and then for the duration of the scene, you can add the value of that to your dice pool um, to modify your status background. So basically, it's like, all right, we haven't been able to accomplish this task through role play. I'm going to get some dice out of it, and then we'll see what happens, right? And, you know, that's that's a cool little system, and it's it's one you don't <clears throat> necessarily have to add, but it's one you can, you know. It, well, the, the advantage of adding the system, I, I guarantee you there are people already who went, oh, it's a great idea. Now, now then there's a point to me being the Harpy. You know, the Harpies are listening to it. They're playing games who aren't using a point system. Welcome to being validated. You are absolutely correct. The corporate world has taught us. <laughs> if anyone's ever had a job worked for a corporation, you know that having a title at work means something. Right? You also know that when you get, uh, what is it, those little reviews where they grade you on a system, right? Mm-hmm. On a point scale, everyone's taking the test. Everybody wants to have positive points. And you want the most points because in the back of everyone's head, that means you're awesome. Right. In some capacity. And if you have no points, you suck. You know? And that's that's exactly <laughs> how the system works. Right. Right. It's, it's a you know, very easy to follow system. And people will work to keep whatever points they have because other things happen, right? Right. Consider, if someone decides, you hear wind that someone's doing a nefarious plan to get rid of a body, you know, and you have you have one point and you're a hound. And you hear about it. It's kind of your duty to go do that. But you learn it's a it's a six point Justicar. That's who you're listening in on. You should never think ever in a million years you, it's your job to go try to do something to the Justicar, right? Most people would. Most people go, "Oh man, I'm the hound. I got to go report this to whoever." And it's like, well, let this point system be your guide. You have one point. They have six. What do you think they can do to you? Right. If one gets out that you're the, regardless if it's your job or not, should you? You know, or maybe. Help them out, <laughs> earn a favor. You know, maybe that's how this works. Right. And there's there's opportunities all within there combined to be in situations that'll let you know that if you're lost at sea, hey, at least we could fall back on the points. You know, I don't know what that title is, but how many points is it? Yeah, okay, cool. I'm not going to be a dick. Right. There. Right. You know, let it be your guide. Let it be the wind that uh, fills your sails. Um, so the the titles here, you know, there are some additional, you know, new kind of interesting little titles for the Camarilla. The Sabat virtually unchanged um if you've played the sabat you know there's there's uh this a similar point system but a lot of i i don't know of any game i've ever played where i had the opportunity to interact with a regent um and that could be just uh my (laughs) my the games i haven't played but uh, um you uh i've played in them and i enjoyed it and what I will say is that if you encounter the Sabbat, understand that they're not like. Think of how lame it is that the years we've played Camarilla games, we've never encountered an inner circle member. Yeah, I do mean that with all yeah. due a plum. You would think there'd have been a game out there with the balls enough to decide there are there is going to be an inner circle rep here at the city, see overseeing, and maybe that's because nobody knows how to run a ship that tight. Right. That fits the Camarilla. Fair enough. Uh, I've I've had an inner circle re- a representative in a game I ran. But they were not seen because they were behind the scenes, and that's kind of what I expected. Right. Maybe that happened and I didn't see it. But the can uh, the sabat zero change given. Right, no change given. If the regent wants to walk around and visit a city, guess what, Jack? They're there and they're walking around. And yeah, you can talk to them and you can say hi. Mind your p's and q's. This is a sect that believes in ripping apart someone as an example is a good thing, and that's and that's just how it is. But uh. And it, de- and it depends on the game, right? And where I was at, right. Reason was very cordial. She's very polite. Um, and I, what I mean by polite, polite as much as a Tortor anti-tribute someone playing Melinda Galbraith could be. And what was the effect? Um, if you have a title, it's funny how if you maintain a level of civility, your fear magnifies. Right. Because nobody knows what you're going to do when angry. And they expect that you're going to be just magnificent when pissed. So they don't want to piss you off. It was strange to me because I often say this: when playing in a Sabat game, everyone acts like Camarilla. Yeah, yeah, there there is a tendency towards that, yeah. and uh, that's just how it happens. And that, and that was no different, but it was it was cool. Well, it was cool. It was a good experience. I, I think I think that um, one of the things that we we learn in here is like they they break it down, right? They say, well, you know, your true Sabat, it's not worth anything, right? Like point wise, it's not worth anything point wise. Um, you're just, that's what you are. You're true Sabat, right? So you don't, you don't have 
of value beyond the foot soldier, the sort of, you know, recently embraced neonate, right? But when you're a shovelhead, that's a negative title. That's like, like, you don't get to talk to a ductus of a pack. You don't get to, you have no opinion. Fuck you, stand over there. And the Sabbat, I think that for us as, as uh, long-term veterans to this game, I feel that not adding any new dynamic to it is fine. Sometimes the, the, the wine is brewed perfectly. You don't need to make a change. You don't really need to add anything. But I think, it, I think even though the positions here as they're presented, it's, you know, it's a small paragraph. I think that they're presented in such a way that is very educational, but it's not overly long. What, what do you need to go overly long about the Sabbat? Look at the Catholic Church, now make it evil. Basically, and and I hate to I hate to boil it down to that, but it didn't need anything new. I, I don't think it needs anything new. Um, I think that we're gonna experience some new stuff with V five, but that's that's got some time yet. We'll, we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. We'll see what they present us. So then we move on to the Anarch movement, because as we're we're learning here in the evolution of this game from V twenty, um, from revised to V twenty. The Anarch movement is becoming much more important in modern nights as far as like what it's doing. Um, and there's a whole bunch of titles here. It, basically, they had opportunity to like develop this into a almost a sect, right? Now, these, these titles, too, they're not new. We've, we've heard about them. It's just it was not put to a level of seriousness. Right. right? And even here, it's still not to the level that you'd expect. Because we remember, remember us pointing out, uh, months ago, mm-hmm. we were pointing out the fact that the Anarch titles tend to mimic, right? They're right. mimicking the Camarilla, like what's a Baron really, but a watered down Prince, right? You know, things like that. And then we learned that, like, the Sweeper was one that was still kept. I remember reading about that. And, uh, you know, the Reeve here is just a, it's, it's a sheriff, right? It's muscle in an Anarch domain that runs around to keep the peace. Uh, but the Warlord is unique. Right, and a warlord is pretty awesome. This is someone that the Baron knows that in his domain, this guy can turn around and get an army. Right, he will flip around and get every little anarch that's good at cracking skulls to go and do something that he feels needs to be done for the movement. And so, a smart Baron keeps that guy on the payroll, and and happy is <laughs> the goal to do it. And I enjoy it. And then the other one that's new is uh, the coyote. Right, mm-hmm. the coyote is something that hit me from one of our one of the players in our online game. Submitted and I had to research and look up. I was like, oh, that's cool. Something I didn't, you know, didn't pop in my head. And I'm looking at it. They smuggle anarchs across domains, which makes sense as to how anarchs get to where they need to go. Right. Because, you know, because we know from Becca's Jihad Diary, there's a whole system they use. Right. You know, camera or spot. They got it going on is they get to where they got to go no matter what. Right. But the anarchs, you're just thinking they're driving around on bikes, pulling trailers. <laughs> yeah. You know, sleeping body packs, whatever they got to do. Yeah, it can be pretty difficult. So um, we we get a we get a sense, we get a feeling of what the anarchs have to offer, and then um, we get into the the true hand, the Tal Mehera, uh, and um, their their positions. And we uh, we haven't reviewed the the new Black Hand book, so I don't want to take too much time here. But um, if you are using that, this is a good place to go because they have their own very complex system of positions and uh, prestation and what those titles mean. So we'll, we'll not go overly long into that because that's something we're going to have to review on one of the upcoming books. Um, and then we talk about the elusive in Kanu and um, basically they tell us the same thing that they've been telling us for years. We don't really know shit about the in <laughs> like, like we know that there's a monitor Right, and then there's this other position and uh, equite. Uh, although um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct at all, um, and uh, so they give us some indication. But again, the the Inkanu book that we reviewed doesn't tell you shit about the Inkanu. It doesn't tell you shit about um, what they are as a sect, or even if they are a sect. That book, if you remember, is about a bunch of jealous elders living in a castle. So that's all I know about them. Um, so. It's it's probably not something. We'll say it like this: the Inkanu, as always, is something. You go ahead and you create that on your own. That's all for you. It's uh, it's the the last vestige of of unexplored territory, I would say. And I'm gonna say just as a quick side note, I feel that the Inkanu are basically the vampiric equivalent of the Arcanum. 
Mm-hmm. They're there watching the worst things that happen in society, regardless of society, looking for signs of the jihad. Yeah. And it's like a, it's like a Methuselah club for the end times. Yeah. Is what it seems like, you know? And that's, and that's that. That's Bob's take, but please do your own. I just, I just feel that that's, uh, that seems to be an interesting fit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's another one of those mysterious, uh, little elements that you can throw into your game and you can, you know, explore to your heart's content. Um, and then they have like some clan specific titles. Um, do you, do you have any like feelings about these clan specific titles? Oh, they rock. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. Uh, these titles also are the ones that are going to transcend sex as well. Right. Cause they're clan titles. Then doesn't matter what your sect is. If you know, somebody is a, uh, eschatologist, you, and, and, and that to me rings sabbat, right? Yeah. That eschatologist is someone who's, who's combing over all the portents of the end times, consulting the jihad in its final, you know, this is, I read the tablets, the rubrics, whatever it is, they're studying it. But because you know it's the eschatologist of clan venture, right? Right? You're a venture. You, that, I don't, venture anti be damned, you know, whatever the case may be, he's acquired that as a clan title. Right. Which means he's known across lines to be approached for that information. Right. And that adds depth, right? It gives a chance to make the Sabbat more than just beat sticks or the Camarilla's opposition more than just people to kill or for with. Right. You know, it opens up that intrigue and shows how it does. Because this book also does a very important thing by pointing out these titles and the prestation we're about to get to is the fact that they do make deals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are, they, they make deals in domains, and this is why these domains hold as long as they do. This is why, uh, you know, guy X over here has been, you know, letting stuff go instead of hitting it head on. And, you know, it's a careful balance, right. but at the same time, that's intrigue. Well, and it's the same It's the same reason why you have scenarios that are presented in later books like the Beckett's Jihad Diary where individuals of differing sect uh, allegiance, Camarilla, Sabat, or Independent – aren't just immediately trying to kill one another because there is this whole system of favors and prestation. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. Um, but after the titles, we have sort of the, the layout for um, the negative title caitiff, <laughs> which is also interestingly enough, a quote unquote clan because it is something that you can play. And we're learning a great deal about that in the modern nights. Um, I, I, I've never really been too interested in playing a caitiff, um, but I, I that's because I've always found a great deal of interest in the actual you know clans and bloodlines that were presented. But I feel that in the in the modern nights, you know, the, in the in the before we're we're kind of calling them the final nights, and and now you know whatever we want to call them tonight, um, we still have that issue where generation, low generation, and the abandoned. Um, abandoned clans and, and things of that nature. So, you know, mistaken embraces. Well, here you have your, your caitiff. Um, so, I mean, I, there's not really much to say about it, right? It's just, it's a, it's a layout for like a clan. Why, why I enjoy this NATO title caitiff then when they throw it in, some people be like, yeah, it's a clan, big deal. Yeah, the fact is that you can become a caitiff. Right. That's never been heard before. I enjoy it immensely. You know, if your sire decides to tell the prince, listen, this isn't working out. This is a mistake. This person can't be the, the Bruja I wanted them to be. They don't know the first thing about it. She's, she's KT in my eyes. And right. the prince is, so be it. Right. And the harpy notes it. And guess what? Everything you had is gone. Right? That's one example of a gift. Another right. one is somebody who, for whatever reason, bears no distinguishing characteristics of any clan whatsoever. Right. Which is what I've, I've, I've colorly been calling true caitiff. You mm-hmm. know, an actual caitiff and a political one are two different things. And uh, that's both of them are catered, though, and both of them that life sucks. Right. You know, it's a fall from grace, as, as it were. How much would it suck if you're, you know, you're a court, you're a Camarilla, you know, you're you're neonate, and you're 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 up and coming, and you're like, yeah, I'm 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 good, you know, shit's hard, I'm I'm having a hard time. But you you fuck up, and your sire's like, I'm done. You you're a waste of my time, and <laughs> and the prince just fucking declares you caitiff. Well, here you go. Have a nice night. You're you're caitiff. You know, like oh. Okay. Throw them right into the grinder. That's what that becomes. Right. right. You're like, okay. I mean, think, think about being in Elysium, looking back, and all your enemies are looking at you. Everyone you ever pissed off and slammed your nose at. Now it's visible to do whatever they want to you. Right. Um, I I do have one one little critical thing I'd like to say about this picture of the caitiff. 
Um, definitely looks the part, but like, is it just me or is that that gun like the biggest gun you've ever seen? Oh, I didn't even see the gun. That's it, hysterical. Right, I just like whatever. It's cool artwork. I, you know, I can't can't bash anybody, but it's just like the gun. I was just like, wow, like that's the size of like that's not a that's not a gun. That's a hand cannon. Um, have you held a Desert Eagle though? I've never even seen one. I, I have no I have no frame of reference. They're, that's that's why I'm like, is it? They're me? they're huge. <laughs> they're they're not tiny guns. And uh, but if that is one, I, mean, I don't know. I agree I, with you. In her hand, it looks like the size of her head yeah baby hands make everything look decent right that's how it goes so leave it at that (laughs) that's true all right so (laughs) now we get into chapter two uh prestation and this is kind of what we were alluding to earlier and part of the reason why i was saying like this was a book that i was like hey go get that off the virtual shelf because this i think this really hammers home the importance of what boons and prestation mean and how they're not simply restricted to just one concept and i feel that everybody in every game everywhere that especially in a larp setting one thing that i've noticed and we'll get right back into this real quick but one thing i've noticed about a lot of larp games is that people that play in those do not have any conceptualization of boons or favors or prestation no one wants to ask for favors. And I've, I've found when we started running a game online, that was the biggest gap in people's understanding of this game. From my perspective, the biggest gap was people understanding prestation. And, and, and You're not wrong. I'm sorry. I'd say add in there no, about no, the that, online that, thing. It's, it still is. And, and I, mean, I, I think that this is the, the one chapter that anybody playing this game, if you really want to understand the the biggest component that you're probably missing from your arsenal it is favors it is boons it is giving and receiving favors to accomplish tasks and why this system works and why it's not just it doesn't necessarily and really it shouldn't be limited to one sect you know prestation is going to be a little bit different in the sabbat of course because you're going to be less likely to find someone who's a little bit more um, understanding of even the concept of granting a favor. But do are they bound to sect? Let me ask you, no. Bob. Um, I am a I'm I'm a 80 year old um, Nosferatu anti tribute, and um, I happen to be dwelling in the domain of Detroit. Now, there's something really important I need in the domain of Chicago. And it not it's not necessarily a Sabbat specific thing. Be a piece of information, or I'm tracking something down, maybe for that Archbishop. Um, would it be unreasonable for me to perhaps have a brief conversation with a Camarilla Nasratu and perhaps grant them a boon uh, to get that information? No, not at all. Because something for nothing is ridiculous and even alien to the kindred mind, to the mortal mind. Right. I, I wanted to, I mean, let's segue here um, to point out this system should not be foreign to anybody because we use it unconsciously in real life. Right. We do it all the time. If I borrow a book from someone, it's understood that later on they may wish to borrow a book from me that they don't have. Right. You know, as it comes around, that's, that's a boon. Right. Trivial as that may be, that's a boon. If they come help me move, that's a major one. I'm going to have to help them move at some point down the road. Right. Right. You know it. You're on the hook for it. And that's, that is exactly how it works. And how does anybody get anything done in the mortal world? A system of favors. Right. Against, with people you trust to pay it back. Right. This is the same thing as prestation. And prestation, though, attaches these titles, call them boons, because vampires are just not emotionally connected in that regard, right? They're distanced to it. And that's why it said, regardless of sect, this is obeyed. Because, like Nate just said, if I'm that uh, Sabat Antitribute, that Nasrat Antitribute getting info... I know I'm going to need some protection, or at least some some know how when I'm when I'm discovering and going through. So that boon represents sure, no problem. I'll help you out now. Later on, I may need something. You get the idea, right? And and they talk about how those you know the biggest question that that we've we've encountered from a lot of players is well, what's to stop me from just not obeying the system? And 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 they kind of they hammer that home here that if you're the asshole who doesn't obey the system. 
no one's ever going to grant you favor. Your name will ring out as someone who cannot be trusted, who does not trust this system. And this system of, of favors and boons has existed well before any of the sects existed. And when you look at like the elders and the individuals that exist within it, what, what, let me ask you a question. Sure. Uh, this is a hypothetical. If you if if you have a friend and they're like, "Hey man, look, I'm really hard on my luck. Can I borrow 50 bucks?" And you're like, "Yeah, you can borrow 50 bucks, but when are you going to pay it back?" And they're like, oh, "I'll pay it back in in 2 weeks." And you're like, "Okay." And then that person isn't around anymore and they fucking vanish. What 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 just happened? You paid them to fuck off cuz they weren't a good friend to begin with. But if you knew that person in your circle, had a propensity to do that anyways, you wouldn't have lent them the money in the first place. And that's For what sure. this is. This is all of these systems. These are just, they're, they're sort of like pits of vipers, but they're not pits of vipers who are just randomly striking out at one another. There is a delicate dance here. And that delicate dance is prestation. And prestation means if you need anything else, that your name means something. Right. You're a vampire that is unique. There are not millions of vampires walking around. When you're brought into the club of being immortal, that race of canines, as you were, as it's been called, that is more than special. That's enough snowflake for anybody in the history of ever, right? Welcome to it. Well, now they have a system of where your name, Robert Batten's a vampire. He just got made tonight. Right. Fantastic. Well, they know my name, right? If I'm Camarilla, I got brought in front of a prince to tell the whole domain who I was. Right. And that's how it is. Now, regardless if that if that's all it is, I'm a vampire. Right. Okay, cool. I have a clean slate. Tabula rasa, right? Right. Now it's on me to be somebody I'm either of worth or I'm not. And the elders may need something done. Or just the Joe PQ Ancilla right. is like, hey, Bob, you seem a capable guy. Why don't you go and handle this minor video issue I had at Blockbuster from centuries ago? Because it's dead and gone. But some reason it's still sticking with me. Can you go and take those tapes back so you can get money back for it? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, fine. It's a trivial boon. And if I handle that well and timely and it comes back, he tells the harpy, now my name means something more. Right. You know, and that's how it builds. And, and, and you go ahead. No, and I was just saying that's, that's the whole entire point of the prestation. Right. Right. And, and one of the things that's really important too is, uh, in, in a lot of games, the biggest issue for players is that feeling of, inability to get things done right they they need something they need they they don't have the right resources they don't have the right know-how they don't have the right knowledge and oftentimes that you know that coterie or that pack they just they hit a wall right and they they they're spinning their wheels and as a storyteller i'm often sat there going why don't you just ask for help and, and, you know, that, that's the thing. A lot of players get stuck in this position where they're like, no, we need to do it ourselves. We need to get things done. And the truth of the matter is all of these societies are sort of built in a way that you have to go and talk to the elder. Um, they give an example in here, and I, I kind of like it, where, um, uh, and I won't go overly long into it, but they give an example of, of essentially an elder who sort of makes it more difficult for a neonate to feed in an area. And it happens to be an area that that elder is kind of known to control. And then the neonate has to like go to the elder and be like, Hey, I can't feed here. And then now they, you know, the, the neonate has to sort of grant that elder a boon. So they're basically creating the situation where you're fucked and then granting you the favor to unfuck you so that you can be otherwise fucked in their pocket, right? It's 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 this crazy, but but that's how that's how prestation works. The young are sort of indebted until, and they they talk about that balance too, right? Where you don't want to. It's good that you owe. It's like credit rating, right? It's good that you have money out, but you don't want to have too much money out. If you have too much money out, now we know you can't pay. But it's good to have a little bit of money out because we know that you're good for it. Right. We know you're good for it. You've got a credit card and, you know, you pay, you buy your gas with it. You buy your, your groceries with it and you pay a little bit every month. You're, you're maintaining your debt, but you're not overwhelmed. You're not, you're not, you don't need to, once you file bankruptcy, you're screwed. Right. <laughs> but the key here to remember is that prestation isn't just necessarily a Camarilla concept. 
It's just done a little bit differently in the other sects. I would say uh, prestation is very formal in the Camarilla, right? Where, where there's, you know, maybe somebody's got a book. Maybe somebody's keeping notes about that. Whereas, like, with the Anarchs, it might be like, hey, bro, can you, can you get me? Yeah, I got you. Just get me back next time. You know, but they're still using boons. Favors right. is the currency of this game. And it would behoove everyone that's listening that wants to play this game to its its fullest potential and really and I feel like we've talked about this a dozen times on this podcast but like really learn prestation here's a chapter here's something that will help to be your guide now explore that understand it and once you do it I promise you you're going to see uh, activity this is how you get your players to engage is once they understand how prestation works that an NPC can owe them mm-hmm. or that they can get indebted to one for help um, that's when eyes open up yeah. and they start saying, oh man, I can get something done on my own. I just had to go and you know give a little, get a little. And that's that's how it works. My, my issue is, is that uh, as a player, Nate, I'm mm-hmm. to ask you a question. Yeah. What if I don't want to get indebted to that creepy Nosferatu who I know hid bodies publicly? I don't want to get anywhere indebted to him, but I know he's the only guy that's there. You know, it seems like I'm shoehorned in. Should I still get get in debt with a guy like that? Like, is there no other option? Mm, well, uh, who who doesn't like that guy? <laughs> right, right. Exactly so. It's like it comes down to a thing of, well, do your own work in your lab there. Figure it out. Right. Like, he's he's hiding bodies, and it's, I don't care what he's done. He still has a title. still in the city. He still does whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the line, right? Don't get indebted to a schlub. Right. Don't just walk up to someone who's a nobody who, you know, hasn't earned an, a title for themselves or isn't an elder. And just tell them, hey man, blah 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 blah. You know, vet vet your source. Right. If the person you're getting a debt from actually is a fourth and they can help you, then yeah, fantastic. Go ahead and do what you got to do. But if you're dealing with someone who is a uh, you know is a scrub and uh, you know can't get love, you know that's you, you talk about that. And I I would say in my experiences as a player, the the one character in the city that's like the greasiest, most obviously terrifying. At least I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Be and you will definitely you. pay that debt back. You'll you'll pay back your see my my issue invariably, both as a player and as a storyteller, is that one elder who seems the most altruistic, like, oh no, let me give you let me give you a helping hand up. I you know, I, I hate to see the downtrodden be taken advantage of and you know, I'm 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 that elder bruja. I've seen it all. You know, I, I've all all of all of, look at look at all those that 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 um, you know congregate to my side. That dude's a motherfucker. That that's that's what I've most commonly experienced. Those that seem like they have the the least to gain from helping you, and are the most eager to to help you, usually are looking to gain somewhere else that you're not seeing. And and that's the thing. This this game really at its heart it's all about that intrigue right it's really all about that like there's no good answers and that's the truth of it it is a system of debt and we play it because it's it's the intrigue is fun the arguments the uh, the debates the who's who's screwing who that that to me that's that's the heart of this game and that's what's very fun about it it's one of the elements that's very fun and i would say just uh, with no basis of comparison, I've done no work in any lab outside of this podcast and our own experience, but when prestation really started to become a focus in the games that we played and the games that, that, that Bob ran, that's when those games really started to get fun on a new level. That's where they really, like the player activity, really started to, once players got a taste of power, and they got into those positions naturally, and they had status, and they had boons to curry favor, and they could do that, it really just took the game to the next level. So that's my experience. For sure. And once, and once it got to that level, like I said, I mean, and, and this is in tabletop as well as in live action, you see the players shoot in activity. They mm-hmm. just not, now they almost don't need a storyteller. Right. You, see, you really, you become like a referee right. on a point because they got agendas. They got shit they got to do, and you're on for the ride. And that's exactly where you want to be as a storyteller. Right. Right. All right. Well, that that's that's an awesome um, chapter, and uh, it's one that I deeply advise. And then uh, we get into our next chapter, which is um, 
sort of the modern era, the technology and kindred. And um, it gives you some more information. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it's, you know, it's technology and, and what's what's happening sort of in the modern era um, with the kindred. And, and some of this is kind of subject to change because of, you know, Beckett's Jihad diary. So it gives you a good idea. But um, it also kind of changes a little bit going forward with some of the meta plot. But it gives you some ideas of how, you know, when this when we last looked at this game, technology and the Internet, even the Internet itself was different in 2004 than it is in 2012. Right. I can't. hear. Oh, you. oh you can't hear me. I can hear you now. OK, sorry. That's OK. That's like. Uh, it is, and I think that uh, what it does going through here is kind of give you that idea of things they haven't addressed before. When this game launched, you didn't have to worry about the internet. Right. You know, it wasn't a thing, and they hadn't really touched on that to update it. And they go everywhere from style to what you should worry about financially online. And one of the new things to avoid and look at. And this is for those players who never put much thought into it. Right. Right? Where you're, if you're an ST who never thinks about how a player can get caught, this section subtly is going to arm you with all sorts right because it's one of those things saying that to the vampiric mind what does it look like to personally network right and then to go through that like how would they do that and you're going to think to yourself you know like oh man you know i kind of always knew no read this section right now see see how it is right there is a difference in uh multiple medias even of how to contact other people we know that right from being on your phone and everybody's on their phone at all times nowadays their smartphone and that's a different medium for personally hooking up. It used to be a joke to, right. for somebody to be on Tinder or somewhere like MySpace to look to hook up. Now that's become so common. It's it's like almost like you have to join something to even carry a conversation. Well, that's that's the interesting thing too that um, a lot of people might not realize. And and I think that you and I we have a unique perspective on this for the reason of like what we were doing professionally at the around the time of this in in two thousand four two thousand three. People had cell phones, right? But you'd have the VGA camera flip phone, right? A smartphone at that time was the scroll wheel BlackBerry. That's what it was when this game ended. The BBerry. By the time 2012 rolled around, people had iPhones, right? That's And that's really the dynamic change is that, that the internet was a thing in 2004 and 2003, but the internet was a thing that people had access to at home, right? They went home, they got online, whatever. They did their AOL Instant Messenger. They did some MySpace. They did some messing around. But the internet was not a thing that you had constant, always on access to until like 2008, 2009. So by 2012, when this game came out, fundamentally our world had changed in a way that it had never really changed before. We've had the internet for 20 years, but the internet was moving sort of at the pace uh, that, that logically a vampire could sort of maintain their control over. Now I, I can, I can stand in front of you with my phone and I can record a video to the internet in real time. How do you, as a as an elder, how do you, as the inner council or a justicar, how do you deal with that? How can you and possibly I, control that? And I mean, there are, there are ways around it. There are ways people can go to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this doesn't exhaust how to how to handle those situations. It tells you how to just avoid them. Mm-hmm. How to make it a reason to you know be aware of them. Being being armed with knowledge is a way to avoid the damage that it can cause. You know what I mean? Right. So. When you, when you, for instance, when you see something like back in the day, I used to have to send, uh, I'm Dracula. I have to send Renfield down uh, to fetch my money from the bank to pay off my minions. The the uh, so-called, I don't, I don't want to use, the, I'll use the term in Dracula, and it's fair. The gypsies, and they were called that in the book. Uh, they're, they're down here on here, and I'm here going to pay them off my minions so they can go and take care of whatever business they have on my behalf. And that, I'm used to that centuries ago, right? And then someone turns around and says, you know, you can just give them a check. Right, and Dracula said, "Oh, okay, that's fine. That's like the ledger he signed. I could just give a check. Here you go, Renfield. Go give them the check." Right, and then it's 2018, and someone says, "Hey, man, why don't you just use PayPal? You don't even have to leave your coffin. Just roll over and beepity, send the money, and right. you know Hezekiah or whoever down below you want paid, you can pay him. 
and they'll get it and they accept it. It goes to their bank. You don't have to do anything. And Dracula is wondering if that was so, what else can I do? Right. But but here's the thing. While that's happening, while you have this 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 old vampire, this old canite who is trying to quickly adapt to this modern world, you have someone who was embraced in 2014, right? <laughs> and you have someone who is well equipped to deal with technology, and it's not something where they're like, "Oh, what's happening?" Right? That that's that's the thing that we have to really come to understand. And to be fair, it is your fifth assistant replaced, right? Mm-hmm. Let's be fair. You never want to be the first person to break to, to Lord Immortality about what a smartphone does. Right. You don't want to be the first because you're you're going to be flippant. Right. It's going to happen. Trust me. You're going to snicker. You're going to giggle. Why? Um, me and they both have had to educate you know elderly crowd on technology. And some of the things they say is adorable. Right, you hear him say it, and you're like, "Oh, you, they really didn't know," right. and they're trusting you with that knowledge. And a natural reaction is, "Ah, just to be funny with it, just right. to be mirthful and help them out and get through it." You do that to a vampire, you're going to end up paced. Right? Have you ever tried to make sure that your mom and dad don't frenzy on you while you're trying to teach them <laughs> technology? Well, imagine your 800 year old sire, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, when. <laughs> Why won't this touchscreen work? Ah! Okay, all right, calm down, Grandpa. Don't don't tear my throat out. But Nathan, my child, come with me <laughs> to the kitchen, and I will show you something. I am now modern. I have gotten a smart oven. <laughs> I put the food in the tray, and I put it in the oven, and it'll cook itself. No, no, Count Bob. No, it won't. <laughs> that that's not what a smart oven. Let me shoot. No, of course it is. That's why right. I bought it. The salesman said I was correct. Oh man, I don't want to have this conversation with you, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know, you think about those real world parallels, and I mean, they they bring up a lot of really good points that are are in here, and and the concept of like, you know, I'm a prince, and this is my domain, and I will have no interneting, but bitch, like I, I I'm gonna get on my computer right now, and no interneting, right? Like what 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 are you even talk? You you don't even know what you're saying, right? <laughs> Like, it, but it brings up all of these really interesting concepts of like, where where does domain start and where does domain end, and how do you have a virtual domain, right? And so, this brings in a lot of really good story elements that um, you can touch on in your game. You you don't have to like anything else, but um, you know you're leaving out some very important parts if you don't. So. You know, definitely take a look at this chapter. I think it's a it's a really good addition to the game as a whole and like what this game is really bringing to the table. Then we get into chapter four, a world of darkness, wherein we talk about some some varied locations. Now, for me, uh, as a player and as a storyteller and as someone who has done, um, you know, over 100 books in this podcast, I, th- I think are very close to 100 books. Um, not a lot of new stuff here for me. Um, there, there is for me, fantastically quite a bit. Um, we know the Cathedral of Flesh. That's that's not new, but some are like uh, Cathedral de Say. I can't. I'm sorry, Brazil. I think it's Cathedral de Say. I know it's Brazilian because yeah. the Sao Paulo, Brazil, is where yeah. it is. I knew nothing of the site. Right. Right. And then here it is. You know, Hunandora Castle. We know from the old book. For the Inkanu, where they're whatever they're doing in Hunandora, having fun, living it up. Right. But uh, you got a uh, Red Sisters Midnight. That, that was have... yeah. So that was new. Um. Yeah. Uh, the um. Uh. There. But my my point was there. There's a lot of stuff in here. I already. It. It didn't really like. Like we did a whole podcast about the castle. You know. They just yeah. They just never defined a lot of the right. stuff. Right, like Net Church's Laboratories in Lowell, Massachusetts. I was like, ooh, cool, right. I read it. Awesome. There's Net Church, strangely close to never mind. Mm-hmm. And I was like, awesome, right? Hootgard. Mm-hmm. Investor mm-hmm. Norway was another interesting place to read about how it operates. It's its own island still trapped back in old Norse days. Yeah. yeah. This somehow never entered canon. Mm. Was never in canon, right? Right. And we want to talk about they had the uh, the the rise of the Valkyrie, right? Who, who come back and are battling everyone in Norway to get them out. And strangely, here's a good place that they were like, you know what? Here's where they're not. Yeah. 
and they're and they're keeping them ignorant and in the dark. Like some like five hundred mortals are kept there, and they believe apocalypse happened outside of the island, which would happen if you're raised there. And to read what kind of twisted stuff went on there, these domains represent stories unto themselves, right? And a lot of them we have gone over in books, yes, but some of them are going to be unique little gems that'll stick in your head, like they have mine. That'd be like, oh, that'd be awesome. Right. That the players hear about it, get an invite to it to go to. And most of the work's already done for you. They give you a plot, layout, backdrop of why they would go there, what would happen when they get there. And a cool effect of this also is if you're thinking of how a domain would actually create different titles. Right. So to me, this this all interweaves together. Like if I think of Utgard, mm-hmm. we're not going to have hounds. Right. They're not going to be called that. Or at least that there might be hounds. They're not going to be called the sheriff. He might be called the wolf. Right. Or something to represent that the hound, you know, greater hunter, here are the hounds, and or hunter and hounds. And, and you go do it however they want to do it. Different titles, newer purposes, different point system. They're still going to have a prestation system. Right. Right? Even there. Um, you know where you're not going to have a prestation system? One place. And it's the first one mentioned. It's the Cathedral of Flesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get Every, one. Everybody's crunchy. That's that's your that's your title. <laughs> Everybody's crunchy. Um, and also, there's a place near and dear to my heart uh, that is on here. That it's I will I'm not named a title, but I'll say it's in Tunisia, Northern Africa. Tunisia. Sorry. Tunisia. It's great. Tunisia. I'm Midwestern. Apologize. The yeah the the locale. The Pyre of Malak. I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's a great one because they basically say, guess what? No, they're not gone. <laughs> they're not gone. They're still there. Thumbs up. And they're protected by a mortal heritage world site. Dun, dun, dun. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Tons of ideas. Tons of ideas in this area. Yeah. Um, a fun one. And a fun one because this ties to V5. If you ever wondered how the Prime Chantry gets jacked in Vienna, Austria, read this excerpt about the Prime Chantry. It left... Nothing to the imagination as to how a drone strike <laughs> destroys these arrogant bastards. Right. It's just the random rooms changing. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, it's definitely, it, it follows along that line. <laughs> they had to make a ritual date. I love it, tickled me. It, how do all the Tremere know when the layout of the entire Chantry is different so much as daily? How do they all instantly know? That's because there's one Tremere assigned to the layout of the house who's so dumb job is to merely make different ways to keep everybody communication about where the salt is stored. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Drone strike that son of a bitch twice. Right. Right. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but it's nothing good. So right. let's just bomb it. Um, <laughs> that's uh, then at the end, they give you um, a little bit, um, which I think is really cool. A little peek behind the scenes of things that, um, they give you an idea of things that were not included in this book, things that were cut and, and why they were cut. And I really appreciate them doing that. I, I, I like, I like to see how the sausage is made. That's, that's like my go-to line, but I, I do. I like to see like what goes into making a book and why things weren't included. I like to understand the logic of the developers and the writers and, you know, it's like a three-page thing. It's not overly long, but they're talking about a system for the titles and and you know uh, what what kind of like feedback they got from the players and why they included it. And then um, the Grand Masquerade. And I like the I like that they basically state like here's the things that happened, and we were planning on including them in a book, but here's why we didn't because what happens at a LARP where every, you know all of these like sects are meeting and people are having a great time that's awesome and and we we're glad everyone had fun but it really truly doesn't fit within the confines of what we've created as a game and i think that that's really important that's a thing that i've been i've been kind of like trying to wrap my brain around with the organization i've been involved in right where stuff that's worked for their game doesn't fit within the confines of my brain because my brain is very much rigidly uh, in favor of what's provided in these books. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But that's what's happened in their game. Well, who am I to tell them, like, you shouldn't have that? Like, how arrogant is that? But does it belong in here? Does it belong, like, changing canon? No, I don't think so. Not at all. 
So, yeah, that's his book. So, um, final thoughts on this book, Bob? Oh, no, I think I, I, if I haven't gushed appropriately, uh, I, I gushed over it. I mean, I think this book is, not only is it well-written, I enjoy the fact that it just, like, I just picture the writer going through having a scotch, kind of just typing through, putting stuff together, great ideas, good job, team. It seems like it was a good, warm, fuzzy thing to create this book. And with all the armies of the night and Methuselahs and the backers put in the book, too, it really feels like it's a massive collaboration. Yeah, There's, I, there, This is a book where I didn't have a complaint. Even the big gun thing was something that Nate would notice, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> right. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing. It's just, you know, whatever. I, I think that the... Uh, uh, by and large, the artwork in this book, you know me, I'm, I'm always like the person to lean on that. But by and large, I think the artwork in this book is pretty awesome, both the classic artwork and the new artwork. And I really like what appears to be someone, um, there's like a picture in here of what looks like a canite who was like blasted nearly in half with a shotgun. <laughs> and I love that picture. I'm trying to find it. It's a, uh, oh, yeah, so it's on page 59 of this book. And it's a, a very uh, haggard individual um, <laughs> who's missing an arm and, like, half a leg and a part of their face. And there's, like, this kind of assholey hand. Like, how does a hand look like an asshole? This hand does it because it's holding a grenade with a pin pulled out. And just like, you want? You want? That's, that's, uh, that's about it. That's all we have for this book. Um, I think it is a vastly underrated book. Um, and it should be an essential for your game if you're running v20 and uh that's that's about that so um what do we have coming up next week we have uh i asked because i knew the answer we have children of the revolution bob i knew that because of the excerpt in the back of the book yeah (laughs) so definitely um check out uh any of the humble bundles we'll have a new one up i don't have any information because by the time this podcast comes out the the vampire the masquerade one that we were we were kind of pushing that one will be expired and last week i kind of mumbled through the you know promoting of that bundle because i didn't have anything written down i didn't prepare in advance so i'm going to try harder to write things down so that i don't stumble my way through um, the end stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I'll probably do some promoting of stuff that, that we're pushing at the beginning as well. So, um, that's about it next week, children of the revolution. And, um, we'll, uh, we'll have some more updates as far as like our schedule. Cause we got the holidays coming up. Uh, it's mid October. Um, we got the Thanksgiving and, and we're also, um, I'm going to the night in question, um, some folks from um, the Ind- uh, Indianapolis crew that LARP out here are going to be going to a night in question. So we're going to have some gaps in our reviews, but then hopefully we'll have like a bunch of stuff that comes out to sort of, you know, to ease you into the podcasting. So, all right, cool. Well, um, anything else, Bob? Anything you'd like to, all, to talk about? We are golden. Cool. So uh, we do another podcast called Nerd Words. We're going to be doing that as well. If you want to hear some more about our opinions about these books, or if you want to hear us kind of like get a little bit deeper or talk about our LARP experience, check out that podcast. It should be coming out right around the same time. We talk about stuff that's interesting to Bob and I and who, whoever we have on. And uh, that's it. So, all right. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoy the book as much as we enjoy the book. If you have uh, um, things you'd like to to counter us, um, check out our Discord. Check out our Twitter. Leave us a comment on our Facebook. All of that information will be available on our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com. Until next week, I am Nate. And I'm Bob. Hey, folks. This is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to, Think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, video, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook under our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you again for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.